When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, uh, Mr. Reavers, uh, maybe you're lucky you're not at the Twins opener. Uh, Kyle Gibson is having trouble uh, yeah. making missing bats. And when uh, the guys actually hit a grounder, uh, they've already the Twins have already committed their second error. Sano did one in the first inning. Here we're in the third. Adrianza, who, by the way, struck out with runners at second and third. Uh, in the uh, bottom of the second inning, uh, just boots a pretty routine grounder, so a runner at first, nobody out. So, and when Polanco, uh, your Twins are off to a rough start here in this one, losing two nothing right now to the Mariners. And when uh, Polanco had gotten suspended, I, I watched three Twins games in the spring, and Adrianza was killing the ball, and he's known as having a pretty good glove, and his yeah. bat needs some work. So I thought, play him, put Adrianza in the lineup. I mean, I, I'm a big Eddie Escobar fan, but. Yeah, he doesn't look very good. No, and you know they got they got to mix they got to mix it up and and you know I was talking about this I think on my Sunday show uh, where some of the guys by the way Korzenowski and Ferrisi, uh the who's at the opener uh, I don't know is Patrick going to call in at all uh, probably not my guess would be he's busy chronicling the event yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right highly the, unlikely he calls yeah and uh, you know it is not nearly as cold out it's going to probably get colder but it's certainly playable today if you you're know? in the sun it can't be that bad and at you know all. the tough day for them is going to be tomorrow they're off which is good because tomorrow it's going to be like 24 degrees Saturday and Saturday Sunday, is yeah. going to be okay it looks like it's going to be cold but there's it's Sunday is going to looks like it's going to snow mm-hmm. we're going to get another four inches I mean you believe that I mean yes I can I know Joe yeah. likes to say that this isn't that uncommon which is true. But it's still painful. Okay, you it's know, more it's, painful to get that kind of snow on April. Well, that's what I'm talking 8th. about. Yeah, this, it's, just, it's yes. annoying because at this point you're ready for it to be done, and it just continues, and you're just it's it's annoying. And in two, the same thing happened in 2013. Now, when it happened before that, I don't know, but I know in 2013, I've got pictures. I was going crazy and drove down to Iowa to play golf one day. I just got in a car with my buddy, and we drove to there was no more snow and found a golf course <laughs> and played it. And uh, we we I, I commented that we could go back to that course. Uh, I won't mention the name, but yeah, well, Briggs Woods. I wouldn't go back to Briggs Woods. I, I couldn't be so desperate as to play Briggs Woods again. <laughs> I love uh, how you just said, you know what? Screw I always this. say that. Yeah. I got to play well, some golf. Say, Let's go know, to Iowa. I don't think Briggs Woods is going <laughs> to advertise on this station uh, anytime soon. Now, Not about now, opening anyway. day, about opening day, Pat, uh, I know you, you're lamenting that this is the first op- Twins home opener you've missed since when? Since I was in college. So in college, because where'd you go to college? A Mankato State, go Mavs. So you didn't come up for the opener? There was a year where I had literally no money to be able to come up and and go to the game, and I I wanted to, but I just I just didn't have the means. And so so uh, did you did you did you grow up in the Twin Cities? I grew up in Faribault, Minnesota. So you didn't go to a lot of the openers before then. No, and when I was a kid, I always had baseball. Right now, 
So right. it wasn't, you know, by the time I got done playing, then then that's when I made it a yearly tradition to go every home opener. Because I heard, uh, especially Judd say, the, the season opener, the big season opener they used to have in Cincinnati is no longer the big deal. I, I, get, I don't care about that. I was, when I was in, as soon as I could drive, my dad would take me to a lot of Twins games, but my dad wasn't taking me to the opener. Sure. Okay. One, because the opener is always crowded, right? It's mm-hmm. harder to get tickets, mm-hmm. even in those days. But the minute I could drive, when I was 16, mm-hmm. I started going to Twins openers. And I have some great memories. And I went back to look. So in 1976, probably, and it was, it was, it was April 13th. So my birthday's not till April 17th. So I could not, I could not drive for four days, but I know I went to this game probably because my buddies could drive. Okay. Right? Because I was, you know, I was an April birthday, and you know that that's late because, you know, the early ones are like October. Yep. yep. Right? And all my buddies were early. When you're April or, or May, it's your birthday and you're 16, it is a killer, right? Because everyone else can drive and you can't. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's, it's torture. Yep. My birthday is April 18th. I, you know I what know, I went to? I know completely. I, I've heard saying. kids now, they go, I don't even know if I'll get my life. That was the biggest moment in my life, right? To get your license without question. You know, I I would say that's bigger than getting married, bigger than having my kids. When I finally got a license, it was freedom. Okay, that was a huge day. But I remember when, and the temperature that day was 78. Then in 1977, it was 79. I remember both of those days. And then in 1980, this one I really remember, it was 90 degrees on the opening day. Did did Joe talk about that when he was reading his Mm -hmm, book? mm -hmm. And the thing I remember about 1980, Calvin still owned the team, right? So we go out there in college. We could drink. Okay. 1980, I was 20 years old. The drinking age back then was 19. Was it a buck? A buck of beer? Well, no. So we go out, and of course, we just buy the cheapest seats. We're sitting in left field. And it is packed. I mean, you know, it took forever to get in because, you know, the pregame sale was probably 20,000. And a good home crowd then would be like 30,000. It was, I don't know if they have the attendance in Joe's book, if we could find it. I know Joe took his book with him, but it was packed. We're sitting in left field, and you could not get a beer. I can look it up. Uh, nineteen eighty opening day. Nineteen eighty opening day. It was. It, it was not. It was uh, April twenty second, nineteen eighty, against the Angels. Twins won eight to one. And what I remember about that day was, so it was just absolutely packed. I, I, I bet you there was close to forty thousand, if not a sellout. And you couldn't get a beer, and you know why? Because typical Calvin. Calvin didn't have enough beer vendors, oh. right? Because so there was too many people. He was probably expecting 25,000, and there was probably 40,000 people there. Oddly enough, they also played Seattle that day, Mr. Korsanowski. No, no, 1980. Yeah. I have Cal- mine it, says California Angels. Oh, it says Monday, April 28th, 1980. No, that's not the opener. I, I got it here. Tuesday, oh. April 22nd, 1980, California Angels at Minnesota Twins. Attendance, 36,268. So, so we're sitting in the left field stands, and we aren't seeing a beer vendor. You, did you ever sit in the left field stands? You probably are too young. No, to do. I don't. I don't have a memory. The of The left that. field stands were like the, their own world. Okay, it was, what happened was if you look how how this stadium was built, they kind of built that the basic like from first base to third base when I think the Millers were playing there. Mm-hmm. Am I right? And then when the Twins came, they extended it down the right field yes. line. And so if you look from the right field line to the third base line, uh, it looks like Dodger Stadium. It was almost identical. And then they put these bleachers. From the third base line down, they put bleachers in right field, and then when the Vikings came here, they put the left field seats in so that they'd have seats that could be on the fifty. It was this big, huge behemoth, and you couldn't get to the rest of the stadium. You were like on an island out there. There was no people say, "Oh, what kind of?" There was like nothing. It was like high school games had better facilities than that did. <laughs> okay, and so it wasn't like you could like go to the beer garden. 
It was like, you have to find some guy carrying, you know, the vendor. And we go, we, we, so we're sitting there like a third inning. We're 20 years old. We got our shirts off. It's 90 degrees. And what do we want to do? We want to drink beer. Yes. And watch baseball and watch baseball. We were getting the baseball part. We weren't getting the beer part. And so we see people with beer. And we go, how do you get it? And they go, you got to go underneath the stands oh where the God. guy goes in and gets his beer because when he gets his case of beer, he doesn't get past there. So that you go down and there's this mob of people under the stands around the little door where the guy comes out where he goes and gets his beer. So the guy would come out and, you know, they would carry the old, they would carry the actual cartons, which you're probably too young to remember this. My dad used to buy these cartons. It would be a case of beer mm-hmm. in these like car- these really hard cardboard cartons that would have returnable bottles in them. Okay, and you would my dad would drink the beer and then he'd put the bottles and he'd take that carton back and he'd get another. Because you get the returnables, you yes. get a certain credit for the and, bottles and, you return. And that's what these guys would carry. Mm-hmm. And the guy would come out and then he would pour the the beer into a cup because he'd have to save the bottle. So he'd come out from there with the thing and you'd have to mob him. So you, you literally it took me like three innings to get a beer. That's what I remember from that day, but. So I can reminisce about going to the home opener, and, and whether it's cold or whether it's not cold, I went to those home openers all through college. But but look at my run I went on. 1976, it was 78 degrees, and that was April 13th. 1977, it was 79 degrees, that was April 15th. It was 54 degrees in 1978 on April 14th. April 17th, my birthday, 1979, it was 64 degrees. It, 19, April 22nd, 1980, it was 90 degrees. 1981, it was 68 degrees. I mean, those, and that was the last year. So uh, those are the years I went to the opener. It was warm every year. And then you were thinking about the dome. Just a yeah. Short oh, then time. once they went to the dome, I stopped going. So uh, just just for reference, just a couple of days later on April 28th, since I have the box screw up here, attendance. Two thousand five hundred and forty-four. Oh. <laughs> well, I'll wow. tell you, we got to take a break. But I'll tell you, when I was in college, there was a day. It was late in the year, and I had to study. And I thought, well, they they were selling tw- t- the twins. It was like it was like late September, and they're hopelessly out of it. And I said, and you could buy like a ticket for like two bucks. Mm-hmm. I took my books, and I went to the Twins game and sat down the first baseline and kind of watched the game and studied because it was so quiet in there. I'm not kidding you. And I could actually, there was like 1,500 people oh in the ballpark. God. You were the kid that brought a book to the ballpark. Well, it was 15, it was two bucks. I thought I could, it would be quiet and I could watch a little baseball and I could hear the players I, talking I will accept that. That was That's pretty good. That you yeah. you you wanted to enjoy the, the, the scenery and everything else associated with yeah. the ball game. It was, like, it was like, there was like two bucks to get into the game. Even I had that much money. I <laughs> we'll take a break. So, and when we come back, we will... Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Masters, some of the things that have happened. But even more importantly, when did the Masters morph into the NCAA basketball tournament? That's what I want to know. You know, Reavers, uh, a couple years ago, I pretty much begged off NCAA pools. I remember having that conversation with you. Because it had just become too much of of a... I do not like a lot of stress in my life, so I try to just avoid having to do stuff. I do. I like one. to do very little stuff. I do one so bracket not- on our station's website. I don't do any others because I don't want to get mad when uh, Virginia loses in the first round. Yeah, and so yeah. I have, I just do the one at work, and I just put one in, okay? And I always find somebody else to teach me how to do it. So this year I went with Ken. I found an article Ken Palm wrote, and I went with that. Okay. How'd that turn out? Not so well. 
You know, they, he he had Duke going to the final, Duke and North Carolina, and neither both of them get. There was a gazillion upsets, but if sure. you have the last two teams, you know, if you had if you had Villanova, you have a good chance to win, right? Mm-hmm. If you had Villanova and Kansas, you, you probably did pretty well. My wife, by the way, had three of the final four. Come on, she had Michigan. She went Michigan. Yeah, she went Michigan. She had Kansas and she had Villanova, and I think she had I forget if she had winning at all. I lost interest in, but but I kind of begged off it because it is really, and I talked a lot about this during when the when the NCAA's were on. It is the seedings, seeding the teams was an absolutely brilliant idea because it 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 takes people that know nothing about college basketball and are too lazy to go read the Vegas line to proclaim upsets, right? To to look for the upset, right? Now we all know the sixteen and one was a historic upset, uh, but but a lot of the games that people perceive as upsets really aren't. You know, an eleven beating a five is oftentimes not an upset. I mean, last sure. year, Middle Tennessee C beat the Gophers, and I think Middle Tennessee was a slight favorite in that game, right, by Vegas. Uh, I think they were, yeah. yeah. Or it was very close one way or the other. That really wasn't an upset, right? That was a toss-up, that game. But but it gives the perception that it is. Well, now, I have been absolutely inundated with Masters pools. <laughs> I, I, I mean, literally, I had one. I think I'm in five of them. I'm going to have to do the same thing with Masters pools that I do with... I. I I spent most of yesterday picking, and I can't even remember who I picked or how I picked them. I, I don't, I don't know how I did. And but I do have one that that we do at our, in our office. That is probably the favorite pool I've ever been in. You have the the entry fee. You could have the entry fee be whatever you want. In ours, I think it's twenty bucks. Okay, but you they they we then get this line because one guy in our office, and I won't say his name for obvious reasons, knows a bookie. And the bookie, <laughs> and the bookie runs this pool where it's actual money. But a lawyer but, knows a bookie. See, but, but the rookie, but this guy puts the line out, and every player has a dollar value. All right, sure. And you can spend a hundred dollars, kind of like DraftKings or yes, whatever you you're to, making. You can yeah. spend a hundred dollars. Like Dustin Johnson was the favorite; he was thirty-four dollars. Sure. I think I think Justin Thomas was second at thirty-three dollars. Spieth was like thirty-two dollars. But everybody uh, gets the same amount of money to spend. Charlie Hoffman is like fifteen dollars, yeah. and he's he's three hundred. Charlie Hoffman's been my go-to guy. In this pool for years because you got to have guys that make the cut, and Charlie Hoffman's always about fifteen dollars. This year, I decided I'm going to go with four really good guys, and it, but but you have to have four guys make the cut because you have to have four. Uh, if, if if you only have three guys make the cut, you can't win. Sure. So it's a great pool. Some guys pick six, but then they can't pick the top guys. I always I went with four, and we do this for all of the majors. So you can pick. Any number of players, as long as you fit within the total that value. total value, you have to pick okay. at least four players because four have to make the cut. Now, when you get to the U.S. Open, you got to almost pick six guys because so many more guys miss the cut. So you have to learn the strategy. Got it. But so if you're picking six guys, you know, you pick a guy for thirty bucks, you got to come up with five guys for the next sixty bucks. Mm-hmm. That's only what, like fourteen dollars a guy, and the top guys are all twenty-five and above. So it's a really good strategy. You know, how are you going to spend your 100 bucks? So I guess that's what DraftKings is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd never played that either. And so that's a great pool. But the Masters has become almost everybody has pools now. I mean, are you in any Masters pools? I, I am. Well, in addition to being on the 1500 ESPN yes, Masters go. Challenge, yeah, I'm in one with some friends. We do it every year. And here's why. I have a theory. Why the Masters, and it's just the Masters that's, I mean, I know people do other pools for other golf tournaments. You were just talking about that. But here's why the Masters is different. Because we're all fresh off the high of the NCAA basketball yep. tournament. Super Bowl's in the rearview mirror. Not that many people are interested in baseball. We're looking for that next thing to combine the group together. And, and I that's do, what it is. I do think that among golf fans. Look, when you, when you talk about golfers, professional golfers, 
obviously what they look for is majors, right? You look at your total tournaments. In fact, when you, when you analyze Tiger's career, for example, he's got 14 majors. Jack has 17, right? Mm-hmm. And but Jack had 18, didn't he? I thought he had. Yeah, he did have 18. I thought not. Yeah, he did have 18. And although I was, yeah, anyway, he had 18. And by the way, did you know that Tiger, until like the age of 38, was on a pace higher, better than Nicholas when he was on the age 38? But now Tiger's gone, you know, 10 years without winning a major. But as you as you look at it, when you're a pro golfer, I mean, winning the PGA is just as important for your resume as winning the Masters. It doesn't matter, really. It just doesn't. You know, there's the four majors. And by the way, when you look at Tiger, they, they now play the world golf events, which to me are the next level down. He won, I think, 18 of those. Tiger did. Now, they weren't around when Jack played. But winning 18 world, world, world golf championships, which they have four of those a year, and they're the best players in the world playing around the world, they started in 1999. Tigers won 18 of those. I think the next closest guy is maybe Dustin Johnson, who's won three, something like that. That that's a that's a feather in his cap. But my point is, when it comes to professional golf or someone building their resume, any majors the same as the next, right? Sure. Now each player might have his own favorite, but I think when you talk about golf fans in this country, at least, because I think in Europe it's probably the Open Championship is their favorite championship, the, what we call the British Open. In this country, there's no major that, that grabs the attention of the country as much as the Masters does. And I think because it's spring, and two, for the, especially the people that live in the North, we aren't outside yet. So you see, you know, when the, when, yeah. when the U.S. Open is playing, it's the middle of the summer, you know? Well, it's like a couple of weeks ago. What was the, uh, what was the tournament? Was it Pebble Beach? Uh, which which was right after the Super Bowl? Yep. And I sat and watched it, and my wife said, what, why are you watching golf? I'm like, look at it's it's green grass. Yes. I'm looking at the ocean. I, I just I'm looking outside of my house, and there's a foot and a half of snow on the ground. I will give you guys an update. Hiatong Lee, yep. who is a Japanese, a young player, uh, who's who you know I don't I think he plays in the Asian. I've never heard of him. Young guy. I saw him hit some great shots. He's four under through seventeen. Tony Finau. This is one of the greatest stories of all time, right? I remember watching Tony Finau on the big break, and he's been on tour now a couple of years, and he's this big, tall, lanky, hits-at-a-mile guy who's, who's a very good player. He's won, I think, at least one tournament, probably top 30, 35 in the world, you know, a really accomplished player. And we all saw the video yesterday when he made the hole-in-one. You know, the two videos from yesterday were Jack Nicholas's grandson, uh, making the hole in one, right? You mm-hmm, saw that, mm-hmm. and then was Tony Finau making the hole in one, oh. which, which you know, they don't even show. There's so many hole in the holes in one at that because these holes are really short, and they put the pins in like gathering spots because they want a lot of holes in one. But but when his ankle completely dislocated, oh. he reached down, put it back in, and I remember as just because I'm a golf geek, I see Tony Finau, and I'm kind of a fan of Tony Finau, and here's a guy. It's his first Masters. It's his first Masters, right? It's his first Masters, and. He makes a hole in one, and you see a lot of guys running. I'm not even saying he was stupid. Who would think of it? He's a young guy. He's a, a, he, it's a hole he, in one at the Masters. He's very athletic, yes. you know. He's he's not a fat guy, which none of the guys are anymore. And he's running down, and he's got his four little kids with him, and he's running down the fairway. And he turns around and goes, "Hey!" And he completely turns his ankle at a ninety degree. I thought he was going to have to have surgery. Well, and he pops the thing back in, and I'm thinking, "Oh my God, this poor guy he can't play in the Masters." It's what? And then he finished that round. He, you think, well, it's going to swell up? He's playing today, and through seventeen holes. He is 16 holes. He is four under par and tied for the lead. I'm not trying to diminish the severity with, with what he went through, but that when he's popping it back in, it, and then must, it he, must have happened before it's or it happens with regularity. Yes, what, you know absolutely. I mean? but, and I'm not trying to say it's not painful because, God, I watched it and I, I cringed. It must, have, it must have hurt like all get out, but I, I'm guessing it's happened to him before. It had to because you, you cannot play golf. With a left ankle injury. Right. You can't because you throw your weight on it and twist over. So uh, there you go. Uh, for those of you wondering, Tiger Woods 
plus one, tied for 29th. Uh, and the other guys in my pool, Casey plus two. I also had Mickelson. He's even through 13. So, look, if you hang around, you know, right now the leaders are four under, which means just about anybody is in it who makes the cut. So uh, there's a lot to go, but it's been a lot of fun to watch that. We're going to take a break, come back with a uh, Johnny Height update, right? And uh, But when we come back after Johnny Height's up- update, uh, we're going to talk a little bit Minnesota Wild and uh, their likely first-round opponent, the Winnipeg Jets. Just before we get to Johnny, uh, the left side of the Twins infield, Sano's now thrown one away, booted one that they gave the guy a hit right now, and earlier Adrianza booted one as well. There's two errors and a, a questionable hit, so the left side of the infield not helping Kyle Gibson. But now for a 1,500 ESPN Sports Update, Johnny Height. Thanks, Corzo. This update sponsored by KFC. KFC's $20 fill-ups will feed a family of four with eight pieces of delicious Kentucky Fried Chicken, two sides of taters and gravy, coleslaw, and four flaky biscuits for just $20. So stop into a KFC and treat yourselves to a $20 fill-up. KFC, it's finger-licking good. Uh, twins are playing their home opener. Uh, Seattle jumped out quick. As Corso said, they had some help. Miguel Sano with a throwing error in the first. They scored two runs off Kyle Gibson in that first inning. The score is two to nothing, and we are in the fourth inning of that ball game. I wonder if I should start a Twitter account that just asks the question: Did Miguel Sano make an error? <laughs> and just answer and just answer yes or no. Yeah, it was it was a low roller, but he was coming in and out of he, he fields it cleanly. I think it was a fast runner, but. You know, the funny thing is, uh, uh, I, I've lost my train of thought now what I was going to say. Other than Sino, Sino's fat. That's all I'm saying. He's fat. you got to make that play. You do it. Oh, uh, I was going to say the Twins offensively have had uh, several runners on and haven't delivered as well. So they, they've had opportunities. But why was it ruled a hit? It, it, I don't know. It's, it hit off the heel of his glove. Yeah, I mean, he's a major league player. I mean, if he if he picks it up clean, he probably gets the guy out. So, it's, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, to your point, last inning, Corzo, they had a guy on second, nobody out. The next three guys struck out. Yeah, so, they've yeah. had some issues. Uh, twins tried this winter, according to a report, to extend long-term deals to Byron Buxton, Max Kepler, and Jose Barrios. Uh, this reported by Yahoo's Jeff Passan. Those offers were rebuffed, according to the report. Figures of contract offers from the Twins weren't reported in the story. At the Masters, uh, through 16 holes, how Tong Lee is at four under, tied for the lead with, yes, the fellow that hurt his ankle yesterday, Tony Finau. He's at four under through 15, uh, and uh, three under, we have four folks who are done for the day, tied at three under, Ad, uh, Adam Hadwin, Charlie Hoffman, Patrick Reed, and Henrik Stenson. Tiger Woods, if you're wondering for the day, he uh, is in the clubhouse, and he finished at one over for the day. Wild lose to Anaheim 3-1 to one last night. Right back at it tonight on the West Coast, where they will play Los Angeles. Wild forward Luke Cunnan underwent surgery this week to repair the torn anterior cruciate ligament in his left knee. He's expected to be able to return to playing within six to seven months. According to the Wild press release, the surgery was, of course, successful. Big game for the Timberwolves tonight. They're trying to make it into the playoffs. Of course, they play Denver. In Denver. Can I do my race? Those mutts! Those mutts! If they can't beat Denver, those mutts don't deserve to make the playoffs. If, if they win, I mean, if they, if they win tonight, they'd pretty they'd much be, put, they're pretty much guarantees them a playoffs. Correct. Because they would have... They'd be two up with three to go. Yeah, and they would have clinched the season series with Denver. And there's another boot, but they get out at first, Joe. Joe. They're having some problems That's out there. That's a better Roycey impression, yeah. impersonation. But there's, there, just, there's another Joe boot. Joe just randomly in the, in shouting what's happening <laughs> on television in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> 
But I'm but, surprised I have the Twins on. I mean, I, I don't know why I don't. Have I'm Astros. shocked too because you are getting all into in it. on golf. I know I was kind of I was I was I was kind of into it. So <laughs> in fact, opening day when they played, um, help me, John, Baltimore, Baltimore, uh, a week a week ago. Joe uh, said uh, he's going to be in season form, isn't he? He said, yes, he is. Yeah. Roycey we're talking about because yeah, the yeah, Twins exactly. started at 3 o'clock. Uh, one other NBA note. In the aftermath of left knee surgery, Kyrie Irving of the Celtics will miss the rest of the regular Ooh. season and the playoffs. Irving will undergo another procedure on Saturday to remove two screws from his patella. They were inserted in 2015 to repair a fracture he suffered in that year's NBA Finals. The team said a bacterial infection was discovered at the site of the screws when Irving had his most recent surgery on March 24th to remove tension wire in the knee. That Saturday's procedure will ensure no infection remains in the knee. The wire had been placed in his knee during the same surgery in which the screws were inserted in 2015. Celtics said Irving's patella is completely healed and remains structurally sound. He is expected to recover fully in four to five months, according to the team. I love Kyrie, but I just wonder if that's if he's going to be continue to have knee problems yeah. the rest of his career. Did the Cavs playing know this? Like that too. Did the Cavs know? I don't. I don't know. I don't think they. I don't think they knew anything about it. Hmm. I just want to make a correction. I think I said Hayatong Lee is from Japan. Yeah. He is from China. China. He's yeah. a, a Chinese player winning the Masters. He's from wonderful. Denver. He's from <laughs> Denver. Uh, so the Celtics, they lost Hayward, what, first game of the season? First game of the and season. They lost in the first early. five minutes of the season. And recently, uh, you, know, you know, the Wolves lose Jimmy Butler and they act like the world's ending. Uh, recently, they, they, they beat Utah at Utah when they were missing, obviously, Hayward. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were missing uh, uh, Irving. They were missing uh, their center. Uh, what's I'm having Alzheimer's. Uh, Manny Al Horford. Al Horford. They were and they Marcus were missing. Smart has been out for a while. And they were missing uh, whatever Morris they have, whether it's Markeith or Marcus, the they other one. Zach. So, Zach so, Morris. Yeah, <laughs> so they were missing basically five of what would have been their top eight players, and they went into Utah and beat them. You know why? Because they have a coach who knows how to coach. <laughs> And remember, that move at the time was met with a lot of scrutiny. Oh, when they hired Brad Stevens? Yes. Everyone thought they were crazy. No, they weren't. I felt bad for him because I thought, because they were on a downward trail, and I thought, why is Brad Stevens going to Boston? He's going to get fired in three years. Celtics. And people also (laughs) thought that, we're going to talk about this later, that Joe LaCobb, the owner of the Warriors, was crazy when he fired Mark Jackson and brought in Steve Kerr. How'd that work out? Pretty well. Pretty well, yes. Frozen Four semifinals tonight at the Excel Energy Center. Game number one finds Minnesota Duluth playing Ohio State. Uh, that's underway in about 20 minutes from right now. And game number two is Michigan against Notre Dame. That's underway around 8.30. All right, Johnny. Thank you very much. We'll you come bet. back uh, and talk a little. Tim- well, no, wait, 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 wait. Don't I'll be want, teasing I, I, the wrong thing. You will upset the crowd. Wild and Jets. Live inside of the TCL Broadcast Studios, this portion of The Ride with Royce today is brought to you by Menards. You know, Manny, do you watch much Puck? Is Manny in there? Yep, I'm in here. Do you watch much Puck? Uh, admittedly, I haven't watched a ton of wild games this year. I've kind of mildly followed them. I, I mean, I know where they are and, and what's going on with them. You know, it's because I have no little kids. Well, you don't have any kids either, do you, Manny? Nope. So, so you could watch None them. that he knows about. <laughs> 
you have kids, so you yeah. probably have you know so my I mean, six year old. It's kind of fun. I'm I'm a hockey fan. I I I, I turned off the sport when the North Stars moved, but I've slowly yeah, b- I'm become slowly a wild guy. I like it. It's okay. But my son is obsessed, so it's kind of fun to watch it again through his eyes. Yeah. You know, it's it's different when you watch through the prism of a kid when and, it's your own. And you know the wild are good. I yeah. mean, and they've yes. been good for you know every you know really you know. Uh, 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 their their owner Craig Leopold when he bought the team you know he used to own the now which is probably the best team in the NHL the going into the yeah. playoffs the Predators uh, and you know he, the Wild had struggled ever since that that great year in two thousand and three they they'd had th- like three good seasons they'd made the playoffs two or three years they had the one year they won the division and then lost to Colorado but they were kind of going nowhere right mm-hmm. especially once they lost uh, Gabrick has been really been the only sniper. I guess I guess that now that Eric Stahl has scored forty goals, they've now had I think three players score forty goals. Then Brian Ralston did it one year, I think. Uh, Gabrick did it one year, and now Stahl has done it. Uh, and Stahl has been a sniper throughout his career, but he's really kind of resurrected it again this year. And Zucker having Zucker's thirty, 30. right? Zucker, Zucker, yeah. you know, was terrible last night, but Zucker's had a. I love watching him play, and he's kind of a sniper too. He can snipe a little bit. Uh, and, you know, that's what we all lamented last year, where they had their best regular season ever, and then you know laid the horrible egg against the Blues. And Jake Allen, who did his best Ken Dryden impersonation during that series, but the the Wild have when 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 Leopold came in and he spent all the money and made the big splash on July fourth, two thousand twelve, to get uh, to get uh, uh, Suter and Parisi and sign them to those ridiculous contracts. That did make the Wild a good team right then, and you know they've gotten they got lucky and getting Niederreiter on a trade for what was the guy's name the guy that would throw his weight around all the time uh, uh, I always want to say Clutterbuck but it's Clutterbuck not. that's who is it was, it Clutterbuck? It was okay. they, they traded Clutterbuck for for Nino Niederreiter I mean think about that you you, you can get get mad at the Wild for some of the stupid moves that, that Chuck Fletcher's done since then but I don't know that he was the one that made that trade I don't remember when they made the switch over but the Wild basically their plan was Craig Leopold said we've got to get a good team we can't sit here and so what the wild did when they made that decision everything that's happened since then was foreseeable by that i mean it was foreseeable that they would be good and you know they're now uh, there's only been in the nhl there's it's a lot more up and down than you think the wild have now made the playoffs for six straight years uh i believe anaheim has made it for six straight years uh i the, the leader of that category is the penguins who this year will i think have made it for 13 straight years but but after that, the two teams that have had the longest consecutive streaks of making the playoffs are the Wild and the Anaheim Ducks. So the, the, think about that. So the Wild have built this level of consistency. They kind of remind me of the Garden Hire Twins, where they're good, they're in the running, and they make the postseason. But when they get to the postseason, even though hockey's more unpredictable than basketball's the least unpredictable, right? The chances of the Wild beating or the Wolves beating uh, the Rockets or beating the Warriors in the playoffs are almost zero. You know, if, if the Warriors don't have Steph, you might give the, the Wild, the Wolves, I mean, you know. I'd give the Wolves a chance to win a game or two yeah, without but, Steph. But you <laughs> almost have to it. say it's almost a 0% chance that yeah. they could win the series. And with the Rockets, it might be close to a 0% chance they'll win a game. I think if they played the Rockets 100 times in the playoffs, they would lose 100 times. Uh, they yeah, cannot beat that team. Yeah, I, I think they might win one or two, but you're right, Manny. That, that basketball, but so, you, so the Wild are in a position where you say, well, any team can win. And we've seen that. I don't believe the Wild can win the Stanley Cup. I... I 
there's something they're missing. They're not physical enough. Before they don't have enough the Suter injury, I would have disagreed with you. But after losing yeah. Suter, I agree with you. And they've actually played pretty well the two games since Suter. But, you know, that's two games. And, and the reason I would have disagreed with you before the Suter injury is that their kryptonite was eliminated in the Blackhawks. And the fact that the top teams in the West, I mean, they, they would have had a chance with Suter to get to the Western or to be the Western Conference champions. And the reason I say that is, they're just. I think they're Nashville's not that much better than they are. I don't think Winnipeg with this is all with Suter. I don't think Winnipeg's that much better than they are. San Jose isn't that much better than they are, and I think Las Vegas is. Uh, I think they're they're a gimmick that's gonna they're gonna be a, a one and done in the playoffs. Well, look, I mean, the Wild have done pretty well against San Jose, against Anaheim, against Vegas. Uh, they they did not do okay against Winnipeg, one and three, and they actually went three one and one against Nashville, but. Nashville proved last year when they were the last team to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Nashville's built for the playoffs. They have they have big physical defensemen. They have a spectacular goalie. They got a couple of snipers. Nashville is really. I mean, last year you know they went to Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, they are and this year they're they're the best team in the league probably. And you know because Boston on the other side is not as is is banged up and and the Tampa, Tampa Bay is pretty Tampa good. Bay's really Tampa Bay is really good Bay's too. Really good. So so my my point is that the Wild kind of built their team. To 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 be a a very easily digestible product, except for Judd, notwithstanding that that you can go to the games, they're always good. They're going to make them six years in a row making the playoffs, but they're really not built to win a championship. They 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 took the what 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 Leopold did when he when he signed those two guys, Parisi and Suter, neither of whom are what you call superstars. They're both really good players, and they immediately set the baseline of a level of professionalism that made the Wild a good team. But they lost out on being able to to get like a Patrick Lane. Is that his first name for Winnipeg? Mm-hmm. The guy, they, where they So, so I, I saw a story today in The Athletic uh, about the, the Winnipeg Jets, and this was the line that, 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 that I got out of this. They were talking, this writer, uh, who's, a, who's the big uh, Pierre Lebrun, who's like a, one of the, he's one of the best-known hockey writers, writes for The Athletic, doing a piece on Winnipeg. And he talked about the the five guys that are left over from Atlanta because they've not been in Winnipeg seven years, and so in the oh prior God. in the prior six years they've been in Winnipeg they've only made the playoffs once and they got swept. That was two years ago, three years ago. So they've missed it the last two years, and so they have never won a playoff game since they've been in Winnipeg. Not even one playoff game, and they've only played four playoff games and they got swept by Anaheim in the 2015 season, 14-15 season. They missed it the last two years, and so they were talking to these guys and they said, you know. They really built for the long haul in Winnipeg. They took their time. They kind of did what the Sixers have done in basketball. Yeah. And they said, you know what? We're not going to just try to get good and get in the playoffs. We're going to try to to be patient, miss the playoffs, have good draft picks, and then when we're ready, the Blackhawks did this 10 years ago where the Blackhawks got, you know, they they got a Taves and they got a Kane with the first or second pick in the draft two years ago. The, the, the Penguins Bla- did it too. With, Penguins did it too. By getting Crosby and uh, Malkin. Where they were horrible. Yep. And now we've seen that, you know, the Sabres yep. now of Eichel, we're now seeing maybe the Maple Leafs are doing it. You know, it looked like maybe uh, the Oilers have a chance because they got Connor McDavid. So the point is that now that the Winnipeg Jets are in the playoffs, that they look, I'm not saying they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year, but you look at that team and you go, this is a team that could, that, that is going to be really good for a long time and a championship caliber team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I've, I have long said for the last few years that the one thing the Wild have not done that's kind of hurt them in terms of winning a championship is that they've never, they've never bottomed out. 
Yes. They've always they've never really had that terrible bottoming out season that allowed them to get a high high draft pick and get a stud player in the and, draft. And what fans need to understand is what you've gotten from the Wild the last six years, or what, what we got from the Twins in the 2010s, or the 2000s, was when your team's good every year and they're fighting for the playoffs and they're going to the playoffs, people say, oh, what did the Wild have to do to be a, all that BS? You know, it's fun watching a team that's competing for the playoffs. It's fun to see a team get in the playoffs, even if they're not good enough to win a championship. And I think I'm not saying so I'm not criticizing Leopold for doing that because I don't think he has sold out so many games in a row. He thought, I've got to get a product that my fans who go to the regular season games get something out of. And I give him credit for that. But it maybe has cost them a chance in this window to win a Stanley Cup. But they're going to get their chance because they're most most likely going to play Winnipeg and then have to play the Predators, two of probably the three best teams in the league. Uh, so they got a tough road. If they'd gone over that other, if they'd slipped into the first wildcard spot, they might have been better off. Uh, we'll take a break, come back and wrap up the first hour. And this portion of the Ride with the Royce today is brought to you by Robert W. Baird and Company. Am I on? Sorry about that. That's all right. It's, it, you, know, you, you want to play the tunes a little bit. That's good. Uh, when I was talking about the uh, Winnipeg Jets, their GM is a guy named Kevin Cheveldayoff. Kevin Cheveldayoff. I'm sure I'm butchering the name. But here's a line from the story, and this is not exactly what you would in in the world. The, the Wilds GM is what Chuck Fletcher, mm-hmm. and you need, a, you need this. The writer and you need a GM in, and you and you need. They're saying what they needed. They needed patience, and there's and the writer says and you also need a GM in Kevin Cheveldayoff that never strays from that vision and avoids the what temptation of a quick fix, which is a temptation that. Uh, Chuck Fletcher has not been able to avoid. But you also have to account for the fact that those two franchises were in vastly different situations. Oh, I get it. In they, that they, Winnipeg was in the, hey, they were just happy to have a team back. And the Wilds' hand was forced with an, uh, a season ticket base that was going, oh, absolutely. Uh, what's going on here? But I'm talking about some of the trades he's made at the deadline. You know, you know, he made the he made the, but the a year Martin ago, Hamlet, but a Martin year ago, giving up the picks, so they were in a position to go for it. It they completely were. backfired. It didn't work because the guys didn't work out. Right. It, the, the team played, and again, I don't know whether that trade was the reason, but after that trade, they played worse. They were different. They, they were they different played, team. They, yes, they it, were. And again, they, Hansel. They kind of remind me a little bit of Vegas this year, which if you if you kind of are paying attention to them. They haven't played well the last three, four weeks of the season, Mm-mm. and and that was kind of a, a precursor to the to the Wild last year because they were great, and nope. then they they really struggled the last two or three weeks. Maybe remember they were ahead of the Blackhawks and fl- and slipped into the two hole, mm-hmm. uh, but they 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 never really found their stride again after that. This this year's team, by the way, has played much better at the end. And, That's and, why the Suter injury is such a it shame. Is. And, yeah. you know, right now they're locked. So what they do in these next two games, the only thing you want in these next two games is that no one gets hurt because they're, they're not moving anywhere. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter if they win these games or if they lose these games. And when we come back at the top of the hour, I've, I've gone, you know, I, they time me every week. I've gone almost, I've gone an hour without mentioning Wiggy. But I, now my, my two new Wolves people I like to beat up on are Tibbs and Crawford. So we'll talk about the Wolves when we come back here on uh, the ride.